0: Can the church say praise the Lord? It is good to be in the house of the Lord. Let's give the Lord a mighty hand clap of praise. Let's make our webcast audience feel welcome to church in the balcony. Certainly appreciate all who have come out tonight to be in the house of the Lord. Don't forget if you want to be in the CAC Christmas program this year. The sign up sheet is in the back and you need to sign up. ASAP. That means as soon as possible. Also coming up in just a few weeks, we're going to be having our homecoming services and that'll be Saturday, October the 21st at 7 p.m. Sunday, October the 22nd at 11 a.m. and we'll be having a dinner following. And Brother George Scott is going to be with us. So we're going to have a great time with Brother Scott again. And uh, I believe that this is just going to be a continuation uh, from the services we had with Brother Harper. And then, uh, you know, last Wednesday we had three get baptized. And who knows what's going to happen tonight and who knows what's going to happen Sunday. Don't forget our trunk or treat coming up Tuesday, October the 31st, 6 to 8 p.m. And I'm sure that's when the county is going to have their, uh, their events. So uh, we try to have it the same night so we can witness to them. We would urge everyone that has a trunk and is going to do a trunk to do a biblical theme or something scriptural. And that way we can witness to uh, the people that come through. They may not dress like us and look like us. They may be in ghouls and goblins and all sorts of other stuff. But we can witness to them about the love of Jesus. Amen. Even Jesus went to the man that was possessed with demons and uh, began to work with him. So we need to work with some people even though they're not living what they should. Also, let's remember uh, coming up, our Christmas program will be on Sunday, December the 10th at 6 p.m. Also, Harvest Time Crusade coming up. That's going to be November the 17th. 18th and 19th, going to have Brother Buddy Puckett, Brother James Chesser, and Brother Michael Maupin is going to be with us. And then uh, we're going to have our New Year's Eve celebration. Always a good time to praise the Lord that we made it through another year and praise Him for the beginning of a year. Uh, you know, most people say whatever you're doing at the beginning of the year is what you'll be doing all year long. Well, that ought to be true for all of us. We're going to praise the Lord all year long. Amen. So uh, keep that in mind. We also have many prayer requests that we have uh, that are uh, on our prayer list. And we'll just mention the last ten. Uh, we want to remember Alicia Smith, Brian Petrus, uh, Stephen Denaghi, uh Elizabeth Burpee, Sarah Awid, and Roseanne Rayon. Abraham, and you let, that lets you know that this is really somebody from uh, maybe a Hebrew nation. It's, it's e- Abraham, which is Abraham, Esau, and uh, Steve Smith, Skyla, and Braden Steele. If you have a prayer request you'd like to make known just by the raising of your hand, the Lord sees that. He knows what that represents, and I believe that we can go to the Lord in prayer right now and say, Lord... I want to serve you. I want you to move in this place. So let's lift our hands. Lord, we come before your presence. We thank you for this opportunity that you have blessed us to gather here tonight to worship you in the middle of the week. Thank you, Lord, for keeping us safe from Sunday till now. Blessing us, Lord, on the highways. Blessing us at workplaces. Blessing us at school. Lord, you've done so many things for us. And, Lord, we have come tonight so that we can lift up your name which is above every name name. Lord, I praise you because your name is high. Your name is high and lifted up. You are a strong tower that we can run into. Your name provides the protection from the evil world that we're living in. I'm glad, Lord, that your name is over us. That your banner of your name is over us. I pray, Lord, that you would move in a mighty way for each and every one. Whether they're here for you service or whether they're here for the adult Bible study. I pray, Lord, that you would bless each and every one, that we will leave this place edified and uplifted. I pray that you would touch every musician, every singer. Bless us, Lord, as we give you praise in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. Let's give the Lord a mighty hand. Let's give Brother DeBarge a mighty hand as he
1: comes. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you for that awesome praise unto the Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, yes. It is awesome to be able to walk up to the pulpit and not have to encourage the children of God to praise a little louder. Because you're already giving forth your best praise. Amen. That's the church that I want to be a part of. That's the church that I'm proud to be a part of. Amen. For he is great and greatly to be praised. Tonight, quickly, I want to move into the word of the Lord. We find ourselves in Ecclesiastes 7 and verse 5, chapter 7, verse 5. And as you're flipping there, I'll give you a moment. Pastor asked, he said, are you doing five minutes with Timothy tonight? And I said, I'll I'll do about four and a half. He said, try 455. I said, I I can do it. Once again, Ecclesiastes 7 and 5, and it says, it is better. Someone say, it is. is. If you were to flip those two words, it would become a question. But this scripture, the writer said, it is better to hear the rebuke of of the wise than for a man to hear the song of fools. Let's go before the Lord and ask him to have his way in this service right now. Lord, begin to move in this place tonight, God. We want you to have your perfect way. Lord, we want you to lead us into an atmosphere, the supernatural, that we've never been to before. Take this church beyond the comfort zones that we have made for ourselves, God. And lead us into your spirit and into the realms of the supernatural that we're not familiar with. In Jesus' name we pray these things. And the church said amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. As I was stating, the writer, the author of Ecclesiastes chapter 7 and verse 5 said, It is better. They were making a declaration. They were letting it be known. It is better for a man to be rebuked by the wise than for their ear to be tickled by the foolish. I would rather a man of God stand up behind this pulpit and preach me to heaven instead of preach me happy. I would rather a man of God preach to me under the power of conviction than preach to me afraid to hurt my feelings. Amen. Whenever we come into this house, we need to recognize a few things. We need to recognize that this man that sits on my left is our pastor he has been charged by the Lord, by the Spirit of the Lord to stand behind this pulpit and preach uncomfortable messages, but messages of truth. And if you do not like it, as long as it's following, un, falling into the Word of God, as long as, as long as it is the Word of God, you take it up with the Lord, not with man. I would rather be rebuked by wise than have a man stand behind this pulpit and tell me I'm doing all right and me end up in hell for eternity. Right. I would rather be uncomfortable just for a little bit on, the, on a pew and listen to someone tell me what I need to do to get right with God right. than spend eternity uncomfortable with a body that does not burn, but yet I feel every flame. With the weeping and the gnashing of teeth, I do not want to spend my eternity in a presence, in a place that God is not. All right. That is the true definition of hell. We're afraid of the flames. We're afraid of the torture. The torture is God not being there. Right. So you need to make sure that you're feeling him here so you can feel him for eternity. Yeah. So once again, whenever you're feeling convicted, do not get mad at the pastor or the preacher that's preaching truth. Right. Get mad at your flesh. Yeah and respond by submitting your flesh and letting your spirit be strengthened by the presence of God. Amen. So whenever a pastor or a preacher gets up here and is preaching truth, and you know it's truth if it's coming out of this word, because heaven heaven and earth shall pass away, but his word is eternal. It it will not. It's always going to be the same. So whenever someone stands up here, and you feel that your flesh is being rebuked, let it be. Learn from it. Better yourself from it. And if you're convicted and you're pulled to, a, to an altar of repentance, come. And let the Lord change you. Let the Lord change you. Amen. With that, let's, let's give, our, give the Lord a hand clap of praise as the praise team comes to
0: ask our ushers to come, we're going to take up tonight's offering, give us the Lord blesses you and I know that uh, you can't out give the Lord, but you can try, so let's uh, give unto the Lord and see what great things he's going to do in all of our lives, but most of all what's he going to do with what we give? Lord, we come before your presence. We thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to give in the offering. I pray, Lord, that you would move in a mighty, miraculous way for each and every one that has to give. I pray, Lord, that you would bless the offering, that it would be multiplied and used to meet missionaries' needs and to meet the local needs and to bring in ministry and other events so that we can all win the lost, witness to the lost, and help others to see their need of serving you. For it's all in the mighty name of Jesus. We ask and pray pray. Amen.
2: myself at a loss for words, and, and the funny, funny thing, thing is, it's
0: the Youth department can go to their respective classes. Have your Bibles. I want you to uh, kind of read along with us. You know, I love the monitors. Because it gives us an opportunity Brother if you would give that to brother Eli that's, that's something he needs to put in the van I can never remember after service to give that to him So uh, we'll take care of it since it came up As soon as I opened up my, my lesson I am uh, I'm glad to be in the house of the Lord in the middle of the week, to uh, study His Word. There's uh, so much that we need to study when it comes to the Word of God. And um, we're, we're in a study in these particular lessons of how to have revival. And uh, I believe it's important that we understand how to have revival. Uh, A lot of people say, well, it's if you get a special speaker, a dynamic speaker. Or if you get some special singing group to come in. uh, If you get some special choir or you get something special. Actually, revival only comes when we start yielding to the Word. When we take the Word and say, I will do what it says. You see, uh, many times in the Word of God... They would do what the Bible says and what the Lord had said, whether it's Old Testament or New Testament. And they would have victories and they would be blessed and they would be taken care of. And then many times they would wander away from it because they thought it wasn't important anymore or they thought that there was no uh, repercussions going to happen if they walked away. But we understand the Word of God is forever settled in heaven. And therefore, it doesn't matter if uh, I preach it or don't preach it. Uh, The Word of God is what's going to judge us. And uh, so I want to preach the Word of God because when I stand on Judgment Day and you stand on Judgment Day, it's not going to be what did your pastor let you buy with. It's not going to be what did your church let down on and you thought was okay. It's going to be the Word of the Lord. And so I want to measure up. Amen? Amen. If you have your Bibles turn to Isaiah chapter 28, and we'll begin at verse number 23, Isaiah 28 and verse number 23. It says, "Give ye ear and hear my voice, hearken and hear my speech. Doth the ploughman plow all day to sow? Doth he open and break the clods of the ground of his ground. When he hath made plain the face thereof, doth he not cast abroad the fitches? And scatter the cumin and cast in the principal wheat and the appointed barley and the rye in their place. For his God doth instruct him to discretion. Everybody say discretion. If I was to look at you and say it's up to your discretion, what would that mean to you? It's your decision, it's whatever you decide that's your discretion. If you want to yell, it's your discretion. If you want to clap your hands, it's your discretion. So now we're reading something not about man's discretion, but about God's discretion. Because God has a purpose for everything He has written and had wrote uh, by men of God as they was moved upon by the Holy Ghost. So God doth instruct him to discretion and doth teach him. For the fitches are not threshed with a threshing instrument. Neither is a cartwheel turned about upon the cumin. But the fitches are beaten out with a staff and the cumin with a rod. Bread, corn is bruised. Because he will not ever be threshing it, nor break it with the wheel of his cart, nor bruise it with his horsemen. This also cometh forth from the Lord of hosts, which is wonderful in counsel and excellent in working. I want to talk to us. We hear, hear a lot of parables in the Bible. Parable of uh, you know, the sower. Parable of, uh, of the talents. Um, parable of the one that, that lost a coin. Uh, parable of the lost sheep. Uh, we, we read a lot of parables. Today I want to talk to us about the parable of the soul winner. Let's talk about a soul winner today. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we come before your presence and thank you for this opportunity you've given us to study your word. I'm thankful, Lord, that you are the one that has the discretion of whether or not we do something or don't do something. Lord, it is your word that you teach us how to plant and how to reap and how to win souls. And Lord, we know that without your teaching, we will only just be going through life frustrated because we won't see any results. But if we let you teach us, and if we let you show us and if you if you will help us Lord we will win the lost and we will win those that are out in this world and Lord we're going to give you the praise the honor and the glory in Jesus mighty name amen amen let's give the Lord a mighty hand clap and um, you may be seated There's a version in the Bible that talks about these verses and it talks about planting wheat in its place and barley in its plot and um, just other things in the field that goes in a certain place in the field. How many knows that you can't just plant onions anywhere? You can't just plant lettuce anywhere. You can't just plant cucumbers anywhere. There's certain places you have to plant things. Some needs a lot of sunlight and some needs a lot of shade. We find that there's a reason that every plot of ground has a place for something to be planted. That means that every church should have an idea that the Lord wants this church to plant. We want to plant. Now some of us is going to plant in the sunlight, some of us are going to plant in the shade, some of us are going to plant at work, some's going to plant at school, some's going to plant in the community, some's just going to plant uh, maybe in your family. And but the thing is, God has given us instruction for us to plant, to sow And therefore, we can't just say, well, it's somebody else's job. It is our job as the people of God. So we see that there are a lot of things mentioned here that maybe is foreign to us. And uh, I want to kind of look up Isaiah, and I want to kind of get into some of the Greek definitions of this, if we could, so that we could kind of maybe get a little bit of an understanding of uh, what it's really talking about Because uh, you know ha- Have you ever heard, heard of uh, uh, Things like uh, Fitches So uh, you know uh, And then, then there's words like uh, You know coming uh, There's words like uh, All sorts of Other things mentioned here Some of them we recognize Some of them we don't uh, Bread corn bread corn, uh, so we see a lot of stuff here that I think we need to look into and kind of get a little better understanding, Is anybody want a little better understanding of the word of God, amen, so I want to uh, start out with, uh, with just verse 23, and, and it just simply is an instruction, give ye ear and hear my voice, hearken and hear my speech, the Lord is instructing the prophet. To tell the people to hear the voice of the Lord, to hear the voice of the Lord. That is uh, from the prophet because the Lord would speak to the prophet and the prophet would speak to the people. Today, it is the preacher. It is the person who stands behind the desk. The Lord speaks to the preacher. The preacher speaks to the people. We find that there are things that we study on our own and we understand that The Bible talks about receiving the Holy Ghost where we don't have to have any man teach us. doesn't mean you don't need to sit under a pastor. Some people think that just gives them the liberty to stay home. It doesn't. Uh, Some people say, well, I don't have to listen to anybody. Well, you do, because how can they hear without a preacher? And how can he preach except to be sent? So we understand that there is an order of God, and this is the same order that we're looking at for soul winning. Soul winning has an order to it. You can't just go out in the world and just say, I'm going to be a soul winner and it happened. You have to follow the word of the Lord. You have to follow the guidelines, instructions, if you will. So the first thing that we learn in verse 23 is that we have to hearken and hear the speech of the Lord through his prophet. Number 24 says... Doth the plowman plow all day to sow? That's a question. Is he going to plow all day to sow? Doth he open and break the clods of his ground? Well, we all know that you have to plow if you're going to sow. That you have to break up the clods. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen anybody with the old style plow. But the old style plow is pulled by a mule or a horse, or even a small pony. And the clods of dirt sometimes come up in big clumps. And you have to bust those up. You don't just leave those there. You have to go along behind, and usually it's the person that you don't like. I mean, it's the person that uh, you know, can't plant and can't plow that is the one that's busting up these big clods of dirt. I don't know, anybody ever bust up them clods of dirt following the plow? All right, Brother Larry, I knew he would because his dad had horses and, and, and plows, and they plowed uh, not by tillers, you know, the electric modern technology of the day. But um, they, they would break up these clods because these clods couldn't help produce anything unless they were broken up and scattered and smoothed out, and then it helped for the garden to grow. So then we see in verse 25, it says, He hath made plain the face thereof. Doth he not cast abroad the fitches? And and I want to kind of just get into that word right there because that is a word that... uh, Does anybody really know what a fitch is? Not a finch because that's a bird. Fitches. Fitches are... A a flower, and it's a plant with a small black uh, acrid seed used as a condiment. You know what ketchup is when you go by in your drive-thru, and they say, do you want any condiments? You say, I want ketchup and salt and pepper. That's what them are. So that's what this flower is used for. It's used as a condiment. So we find that uh, it is meaning to, uh, it is meaning, it's, it's a pugnancy. Uh, Fitch's uh, is black cumin. Now, all you that have spices in your, in your cabinet, most of you have cumin, right? Does anybody just take a spoonful of cumin and... Oh, it'd be awful, wouldn't it? It'd be awful. It'd be pugnant. Uh, so, so this is kind of what it is. This is black cumin, which is, uh, comes from a flower or a plant. And it says, Doth he not cast abroad the fitches and scatter the cumin and cast in the principal wheat and the appointed barley and the rye in their place. Everything has its place. That's why everybody in church has a job. Everybody has a place. You got a place, I got a place, everybody's got a place. And we got we to gotta, we gotta go out and we got to start planting. But we're not going to plant flowers and we're not going to plant corn. We're going to plant the Word of God. So that means that we got to go outside and we got to start plowing up something now that don't mean you just go in and tear something up that means that you go in with purpose and try to help somebody get ready to receive the word you know why you know why we sing we sing because it softens our heart and prepares our heart to receive the word that's why we sing if, if we didn't think singing was important and thought it was all just word that we needed, we wouldn't have singing. we just cast singing aside and just have word. But we need our hearts prepared. We need our hearts prepared. That's why we need a move of the Holy Ghost. That's why we need the Lord in this place. We need our hearts prepared to receive the word. Because you can't receive the word if the soul is not prepared. Again, you can plant corn all day long just by throwing it on the ground, and it may sprout up, but it will not grow up. And that's why sometimes you find a lot of immature Christians in church, is because they've just been scattered and they pop up, but they don't grow up. And so we got to understand how can I purposely began to plow in someone's life or heart if you will that will help them receive what I'm getting ready to tell them you know you uh, you can't I think uh, brother DeBarge and me was discussing some things before service and we was talking about how how that sometimes in order to get somebody to receive something you have to tell it in a different way you have to tell it in a different way. I remember I used to talk to all of the uh, people who were sent to uh, day treatment class. And, and I would go up and, and I would speak to them. My wife would send them there and I would speak to them. And, uh, and so I always had plenty to talk to. And uh, so we, we would go up to day treatment and uh, I would start telling them stories in the Bible. But in school, you can't say, I'm going to tell you a story in the Bible. Because they're going to look at you and say, wait a minute, separation, church and state. So I would start out and I'd say, well, you know, there was this young man named Joe. And Joe, well, you know, his daddy liked him, but his brothers didn't think much about him. And that's the way it is when you're at home sometimes. Some of y'all got brothers and sisters and and maybe you're the favorite, and, and, and your brothers and sisters don't like you, and, and they try to set you up for failure and all these things. They didn't know I was telling them about Joseph. They didn't know I was telling them that story. And I got tickled because the administrator over the, over the day treatment come up to me after one or two of my teaching sessions, and he just kind of nudged me. He said, I see what you're doing. I thought, oh, no, I'm in trouble. And he laughed. He said, that's a good way of doing it. He knew what I was doing. I was trying to teach them some things that would help them. And all I know is Bible. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a person that has all of this background in counseling and all this. All I know is the Word of God. And I know the Word of God works. So I just gave them the Word of God. Well, we had tragedies sometimes would happen. There was a person that uh, had taken their life, and, and they called me, the administrator called me to come down and said, can you just come down and, and just be with these kids and counsel with them and, and just help them? Well, you know, all I know to do is pray. All I know to do is pray. So I went down and, and, and I just sat around with them and, and just talked to them and, and, and just kind of tried to encourage them and say, you know, we we got to think on the good things, remember the good things and the laughs and the things of that nature. And, and then, then I would just whisper a prayer under my breath for them because I couldn't pray out loud. They would kick me out. And so with that, uh, sometimes you got to learn how to plant and prepare people to receive even when they don't know you're preparing them to receive. I always thought it was interesting. I, I had a, bo- a boss. I loved that man. I mean, that was one the best boss I ever had in my life. And uh, he would make you work and make you like it. That don't make sense, but that's, I mean, he could make you work all night long, sweat and toil and, and, and lift motors and, and work all night long and, and make you like it while you're doing it. And he just had that way about him. He would prepare you before you ever started working. He'd prepare you with some little story or we called him a philosophier. We we'd say, you're philosophizing. And, uh, and he'd talk about politics or he'd talk about something. But basically, he was just preparing us to do the work. And he was getting us in the mood to do the work. Well, that's the way you've got to do sometimes when you're planting. You've got to learn that a lot of people will not receive the Word of God if you just come face to face with them and start trying to shove it down their throat. You have got to prepare them. And sometimes that preparation is just simply saying, how are you doing today? Sometimes the preparation is simply of what's your favorite hobby? What what do you like to do? Uh, You know, uh, what, what, what interests you? Things like that. And next thing you know, you get in a conversation, they begin to trust you. They begin to believe that what you're doing for them is better for them. And so they start receiving what you have to say. So planting requires preparing the soil. And we find that it says in verse 26, For his God doth instruct him to discretion. Now, I think that's important because um, discretion, as we said, if you're discreet about something, uh, it is uh, you're, you're kind of uh, formal about it. Uh, you you have uh, a style about it, if you will. Uh, if you're discreet, uh, you don't go out and blab everything you know, right? Oh, I'm sorry. Somebody get a Webster Dictionary if you don't know what I'm talking about. If you're not discreet, you'll tell everything you know. I mean, nobody can tell you anything, and you're just telling them, Man, I tell you what, I woke up this morning, I was throwing my guts out, and I was doing this, and you tell them all about it. You're not discreet. Discreet says, I was sick. People that's not discreet says, I was gagging a maggot off a gut wagon. (laughs) So we got to be discreet. So the Lord uses Discretion. This word discretion is something, I think, of importance because it's his judgment or his manner or his right. So God has his right to instruct us the way he wants to. It's his word. If God said, and I've said this over and over, if God said In order to be saved, you got to stand on your head 12 hours a day. I'd be trying my best to stand on my head 12 hours a day. Now, a lot of people say, well, no, that's silly. God wouldn't want me to do that. Well, that's the way they look at holiness. That's the way they look at separation. That's the way they look at coming out from among the world. It's just silliness to them. The world looks at the things of God. His discretion, by the way, and, and by the way, it's his discretion of who gets in heaven and who doesn't. So, so if we're going to get into heaven, we're going to have to try to do what he instructs. God doth instruct him to discretion and doth teach him. So I want God to teach me how to live, but also how to be discreet, how to make right decisions, how to, how to make right judgment how to uh, be right, talk right, do right. So that's kind of what discretion is. It's a style. It's a style, if you will. It's a determination. It is a disposing, a fashion, a form to be judged, judgment justly. It is a manner or measure. Do order. Do order. Well, it's all up to God who makes it in, who doesn't, it's all up to God what He requires of us, right? When He said in His Word to repent, then that's His prerogative. You can't just say, well, I don't think I need to repent, because it ain't your prerogative, right? It ain't your discretion. It's God's Word. It's forever settled in heaven. When he said you got to be baptized and born of the water and of the Spirit, it don't mean if you want to. He's simply saying this is what you got to do if you want to make it into heaven. So what we got to do, we have got to help plant this in other people's lives. That's why the world we're living in doesn't want to hear about the Lord. They don't want to believe that you have to be baptized. I don't know what the people just told me. You don't have to be baptized to get to heaven. I said, really? And I say, well, how how come it says baptism doesn't now also save us? Oh, well, that ain't what that means. It's always an excuse. When you tell somebody the word of God and they don't want to believe it, then when you say, well, that's what it says, then they say, well, that ain't what it means. Well, I'd like to know what it means if it don't mean what it says. God wasn't talking in code. <laughs> he, he began to talk that even though a wayfaring man, even though a child, we could all receive his word. It's not that difficult. It's not, it's not something unattainable. And that's why when we begin to witness to others, we got to just simply tell them the word of the Lord. This is how you plant. This is how you prepare. This you, you have certain areas in the garden that you got to plant. And like I say, we all like to talk about what we believe. We believe in one God. Right? We believe in holiness. We, we believe in a lot of stuff. We, we believe uh, that, that there is not three in the Godhead, that all the fullness of the Godhead dwells in Jesus bodily. We believe all that. But you know what? You can't go out there and the first person you come up on starts saying, let me tell you about the Godhead. There's three that bear record in heaven. There's three that do this. But these three are one. You, you can't start with that because there's a place in the garden for that, but you can't start with that. It's the same way you don't start, many times, you don't even start with baptism in Jesus' name because a lot of people have been taught to be baptized in titles, and they've been taught that by a church that's going to show back up in Revelation. And it's not a good church. But they've been taught by that church. It's going to show back up in Revelation. And they've been taught that you can be baptized in titles. And and so there's, there's a place in the garden where you talk about baptism in Jesus' name. But the first thing that you usually start doing is just introducing people to Jesus. That's the first thing. Because if you can't get them to believe in Jesus, everything else don't even matter, right? If you get somebody and you say, well, praise God, they want to be baptized and they get baptized, but they don't believe in Jesus, they just went through the motions. They just went down in the water, come back up and still lost as they were when they went down. So you have to start introducing people to Jesus. That's the first thing you do. Let me introduce you to the one who died on Calvary. Let me tell you about the one that loves you more than anybody. Let me tell you about the one that is able to speak and and healings can take place and things can happen. Just let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you who Jesus is. He's the rock of all ages. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's my heavenly Father, the beginning and the end. Much more than this, my friend. He's the Son of Man. He's coming back again. Well, the Jews were talking to Jesus, and they said, Just who are you? You claim to be the Christ, and you're greater than Abraham too. He said, everything you say is true. I'm greater than Abraham. For before there was an Abraham. I am the great I am. Let me tell you who Jesus is. He's a rock of all ages. Well, He's the Alpha and the Omega. Well, he's my heavenly Father, the beginning and the end much more than this my friend he's the son of man he's coming back again i believe if we can introduce people to jesus 99.9 percent of the rest of the stuff will fall right into place because how can you deny somebody that loves you more than your mama more than your daddy, more than your brother or sister, more than anybody. How can you deny what he says? Well, he says, i got to get baptized. I'm going to get baptized. If he says I need to be born of the Spirit, I'm going to get the Spirit. Why? Because he loves me. So you start in your garden. Everybody say, in my garden. You're going to start in your garden, and you're going to introduce somebody to Jesus. Now, after they are introduced to Jesus and start believing in Jesus, then you can start talking to them about how that in order to serve Him, you have to get rid of the sin in your life. Now, this is where a lot of people start backing off. It's because sin, the wages of sin is death. So when you start talking about sin, some people back off because they say, well, I I don't really understand sin, what sin is and all this. And and all you got to do is understand that sin is breaking the laws of God. That's just that simple. But you know what? Jesus loves you and he cares for you and he wants you to be saved. How many believes that it's not his will that any should perish? That's right. I don't believe he wants anybody in this house to perish. That's why he's long-suffering with old brother Richard. Right? He don't want me to perish. There might be others want me to perish. He don't want me to perish. He wants me to be saved. So that's how you can start your conversation, your garden. You can start growing your garden with the invitation, let me introduce you to Jesus. Then you begin to find places where you can use baptism, receiving the Holy Ghost, because you take somebody like me who was from a Baptist background and you start telling them the first thing, well, praise God, you got to get the Holy Ghost and speak in other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. I'm gonna go
3: do
0: Twilight Zone. Because I don't know nothing about the Holy Ghost. And you just scared the living daylights out of me. Right? That's right. Many of us, many times, we kill our garden before it starts growing because we're worried about telling people they need to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. And they don't even know if there be any tongues or not or there be any Holy Ghost or not. They're like John's disciples. We don't even know whether there'd be any Holy Ghosts or not. Well, how was you baptized? Let's plant that now. You see, you need to learn how to plant in your, in your garden. For God doth instruct him to discretion and doth teach him. Then we find that all of these things is got a place in the garden. And we find that there are certain things that you use. You can't just take a tractor and start running up and down your garden. Because how many knows those tractor wheels are going to crush corn... It's going to crush beans if your tomatoes are coming up and you run over them it's going to kill them out so you can't just you can't just start plowing and say I'm going to show them like it is I know preachers that get up in the pulpit and they say I'm going to preach them into heaven or hell one no you ain't you're going to offend more people than you ever win I don't want to offend people with the word I want to win them with the word amen now, The desire of those who met Jesus was to share their experiences with others. So the first thing in the garden is to introduce people to Jesus. Then we find that when you introduce people to Jesus, they want to tell somebody else about what Jesus did for them. Take the woman at the well. The woman at the well in John chapter 4 and verse 28, the woman then left her water pot. Remember, she came to get water. Why would you leave the very thing you came to get? Because you had an encounter with Jesus. Jesus will make you leave your water pot. Jesus will make you forget about your problems. Jesus will make you forget about your headache. Jesus will, oh, I wish I had a little help. Jesus will make you forget about what you came tonight. Maybe you had a different agenda, but the Lord said, no, I'm going to be so good to you, you're going to forget about all that. You see, sometimes when you're planting in the garden and you start witnessing to people, sometimes when they are introduced to Jesus, they'll forget about what they was trying to fight you against. I've heard this saying, you can raise your hand or clap your hands, either one, I don't care. But there was people back in the day when I first started serving the Lord, they'd say, praise God, there's a preacher showed up wanting to read me, uh, you know, into the the, the oneness and the, and the holiness and, the, and, and, and believing in one God and, and said So I said well that's okay preacher You don't have to teach me or preach to me or anything I'll go read it for myself And he said I tried to read myself out of it And read myself into it Now Here's the thing If you read the same Bible I read You got to read the same thing Every page, every word, every King James translated word is the same whether you paid $19.95 for it or $110 for it. Same word. So if you read the same thing I read, it should inspire you to want to tell somebody else about Jesus. How good's he been to you? You see, sometimes we forget how good he's been to us because we've had a bad day. Uh, Well, here, let me get both my fiddles out. My heart breaks for you. We've all had bad days. But you know what? I ain't never had a bad enough day to say Jesus ain't been good to me. I ain't never had a bad enough day to come to church and sit on a pew and say, I ain't going to praise tonight because I had a bad day. I ain't going to come to church and just sit and say, well, you know what? It's been a long day. I've been up since the wee hours in the morning. So I don't feel like praising right now. Well, i just tell you, you'll never win anybody Jesus. Because people want to know that there's something to this. There's something to serving Jesus. There's something about Jesus. That's what people want to know. They don't want to know a club or they'll go join some other club. They don't want to know about some, some gathering. Oh, well, this gathering's taking place. They don't want to know about that. They want to know if Jesus is real. And the only way they want to know if he's real, if he's really in your life. I'm going to say that again. Because some of us don't even care whether we, but we present a live Jesus to a dead world, but I believe it. We got to get to the place where we say, you know what? Jesus has been so good to me. I got to tell somebody how good He's been. So when somebody comes up to me and says, "You know what? This happening, that happening," oh, I say, "Well, the Lord's still good. The Lord will help you. The Lord's your peace." I start telling them those things. That ain't what a lot of people want to hear. Because a lot of people don't want to hear, Jesus is your Prince of Peace. Let's pray about this. Jesus will help you through it. You can climb that mountain. Oh, you can get up that side of the mountain with Jesus. Jesus will never leave you forsaken. They don't want to hear things like that when they want to whine. Give them a little cheese with that whine. (laughs) If you want to whine, you know what? You don't want to listen to nobody. I've had people say, Pastor, I need to talk to you. And all they want to do is whine. Whine, 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 whine. Whine. And I say, well, let's pray. (laughs) Pastor, I tried that. It don't work. (laughs) And I'm like, I want to go. No, I don't. Jesus. (laughs) Eli's saying, boy, I hope I never get caught in his office. (laughs) You don't have to worry about it, Eli. I'll never smack you. (laughs) I got a little sense left. (laughs) I ain't smacked the first person I ain't going to. You know why? Because it ain't up to me. But I will try to tell you about Jesus. And when you whine and carry on and say, well, I tried that and it didn't work. I've had people actually have the audacity to tell me, I tried praying and it didn't work. I wanted to look at them and say, liar. Do, 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 do.
3: Liar!
0: You know why? Because they're not telling the truth. Jesus is the best things ever happened to any of us, and if we would quit our whining, you know. Let me tell you about the the people walking in the wilderness. You know why they got many times disciplined, and many times they were they were. Corrected is because of the whining. They didn't do nothing but bring us out here. I can hear them now. Joe talks to Frank, Frank talks to Bill and Bill talks to John and they say, I ain't do nothing but just bring us out here to kill all of us. <laughs> right? Read your Bible. it's a fascinating book. They, they, they begin to murmur and complain and whine. And the Lord told Moses, "said step aside just a minute. I'm going to take them all out. <laughs> you better be careful about whining. I mean, I love you. <laughs> I may not be a Moses. <laughs> step aside, Richard. I'm going to wipe them all out. No you know what Moses said? Moses interceded he said, "If you wipe them out, you know what everybody's going to say you wasn't able to deliver them you wasn't able to take them through you was just you just you wasn't mighty as you said you wasn't uh, you know as good as you said you wasn't able to do what you said that they're going to talk about you now there's one thing about it. God don't like to be talked about except in a good way so Be careful when you whine. You know why I catch myself wanting to whine sometimes? I tune my whiner up. Whine, 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 whine. I tune my whiner up. I get ready to whine and the Lord says, And I go, I love you, Jesus. You know why? Because whining wouldn't do nothing but separate me further from the Lord. All of our whines, all it does is separate us from the love of God. I don't want to whine. I don't want you to whine. I want you to love Jesus. Somebody say, I'm going to love Jesus. Jesus. Next time the devil says, why don't you whine a little bit? Why don't you just simply say, I love Jesus. I challenge you every time you get ready to complain about something. Oh, here we go, man! I've done. I've done met my quota today. (laughs) I've done met my quota, brother Dennis. I I met my quota. Uh, I've got a knee about two or three times bigger than it is. And I whined about that, and I whined about my back, and I whined about uh, this, that, and other, and and all, and, and I catch my and the Lord says, "What time out?" Quit, stop. You're still walking, ain't you? You could be in a wheelchair. You're still, you're still talking, ain't you? You you could be speechless. You're still going to church in your right mind and still know what you need to do. So quit your whining. How many parents have ever looked at you and said, Quit your whining? I know nobody's ever told their child that. My daddy used to tell me at all the time. He only told me once, so my mama would tell me several times. I had her wrapped around right here, and and I would whine, and she'd say, "Stop that, quit your whining." And I never did understand this. They they'd whip you until you snubbed, and then tell you, "Quit that snubbing." I don't know about that. I don't know why that happened. I don't know how you hey quit snubbing when you when you hurt bad I'm hurting. I'm hurt bad and you want me to quit snubbing that's kind of the way we treat the Lord right we'd look at the Lord and say well Lord I can't quit whining look at me look what I'm going through look what I'm up against look how everybody else is being prosperous and doing great things and here I am just struggling just to get to church and make it in life and put food on the table and roof over my head I'm doing that all struggling and, and, and Lord you want me to quit whining Yeah, the woman left her water pot. We got to start leaving our water pots. We may have come for one thing, but we're going to leave with something else. Amen. Amen. I feel the Holy Ghost in this. She left her water pot, went into the city, and she began to say to the men, Come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came unto him. Now, let me tell you, this one woman who had a water pot who wasn't living right, now goes into the city and tells them simply about Jesus. And all she said was, he told me everything I've ever done. And they said, woo, let's go see this man. See, sometimes we just need to tell people about Jesus. And they say, I want to go see that Jesus. Jesus. I want to go to church where that Jesus is. I believe that sometimes we need to understand that the Lord is wanting us to just simply tell people about Him and He will see the multitude start to come because we're planting in the garden. We're just mentioning the name of Jesus. We're introducing Him to the people and the people will come to Him. That's what happened in this city. How many believes it can happen in this city? Amen. Amen. There was two blind men one time, and the Bible says in Matthew uh, chapter 9 and verse number 30, it begins to say this, And their eyes were opened, and Jesus straightly charged them, saying, See that no man know it.' But they, when they were departed, spread abroad his fame in all that country. He said, Don't tell nobody. Now, here's the question I've always thought about. It's just me, my little mind runs crazy sometimes But I just thought, Jesus strictly told them, don't tell nobody And the first thing they did was tell somebody Now, was they disobedient? Or was this the plan that Jesus knew if he tells some people not to do something, they'll do it or die? reverse psychology (laughs) I don't know I don't know if it was a disobedience but I, I just believe that Jesus knew more than what we knew and when he told them don't tell nobody he knew they was gonna go tell some people and so they departed and spread his fame all through that country people come to Jesus when you talk about him that's why when you come to church Instead of talking to each other about everything that's went on through the week and the day and everything, and we start talking about Jesus. Then you go to the restaurant and you say, well, the sermon was too long and the air condition was cool and, you know, uh, the padding in those pews, they're going to have to repad them pews because I, I can't take much more sitting there. You know who's hearing that? Everybody in the restaurant. Oh, no, they're three tables over. No, their ears are zoned in. Say man, I tell you what, brother Richard thinks he's something. he gets up there and preaches forty five minutes, then makes fun about it and says, "Hey, oh, yeah, I'm gonna preach fifty if you don't shut up." <laughs> and somebody in the somebody in the restaurant saying, "Man, I don't want to go to that church. Man, I can barely sit through a fifteen minute sermon." See, if we're not careful, we will kill the garden before it ever starts growing. So, we have to tell people about Jesus. Talk about Jesus, and I guarantee you'll win somebody to Jesus. Talk about Jesus. Talk about everybody else, you ain't gonna win nobody. Andrew called Peter, and Philip called Nathaniel. Look at this. We find that in John chapter 1, verse 40. It says, one of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. If you can't win your family, maybe you ain't trying hard enough. Because I want to tell you something. Many of the people that came to Jesus came through family members. So you can't live one thing at church, another thing in front of family. Because they're going to look at you and they're going to say, well, that's, that's another story. He first findeth his own brother Simon and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. We found Jesus. And he brought him to Jesus. And when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah. Thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. Philip findeth Nathanael and saith unto him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. I want you to know that when you start looking, Andrew called Peter and Philip called Nathanael. You got to come see Jesus. They didn't say, Come hear the choir sing. That seems to be the modern invitation of our day. Come hear our singers. Come hear our musicians. Come, we got some great programs. Great Sunday school department, great youth department. That's what we try to entice people to come. cornerstone with that's the total wrong approach why not just simply tell people come see Jesus come feel Jesus because there's broken hearts out there that don't care how good you can sing there's people that are overwhelmed and feel beaten up and they don't care they don't care. The music department can be pristine and never hit a sour note. And they don't care. Because it don't help their brokenness. Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted. He came to heal those that needed, you know, those that are whole don't have a need of a physician, but they that are sick. He didn't come to call, you know, the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So, what we got to do is we got to learn if we're going to win people to Jesus, plant the right garden, witness the right way, we just got to simply tell somebody how good Jesus has been to us. Maybe we could sing them that song Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus because he first loved me. The great commission is this, and we'll soon be coming to a close. Jesus told the disciples to go into the entire world and preach the gospel teaching them now if you look at Matthew 28 and 19 and 20 I like quoting this verse because it's still the word of God some people look at that and they say oh praise God that don't line up with my firm apostolic belief yes it does Yes, it does. If you don't understand what Matthew 28 and 19 and 20 says, then you'll never understand Acts 2.38. And you'll never understand all the rest of the scriptures that talks about how we need to be saved. I I saw something. I don't know if you all uh, know this. uh, I'm not going to mention. You can ask me after service. The organization that... uh, Began to just down us, one God apostolic, tongue talking, holy, rolling, born-again, heaven-bound believer in the liberating power of Jesus' name. People. Stating that we just believe that nobody else is gonna make it to heaven. And I began to think about that. And I began to think it, first of all, it's not up to me who gets to heaven, it's up to the Lord. But I got to tell them what the word says, and you got to tell them what the word says. Now, if they don't like that, that's their problem. But if you want to ask me what organization it was after church, I'll tell you. They're a false organization, they're a disruptive organization. They want to attack everyone that believes in a one God holy ghost filled church and a church that believes in holy living they want to attack every believer that believes that and tell you how uneducated you are how unprogressive you are and uh, a non-progressive i should say and and how that that you just are too dumb to know any better that organization presents that and you know what? You know what Some of the ex ex-apostolics do? They run into that organization because it makes them feel better about their backsliding. It makes them feel better. I feel better. Oh, they just make me feel better. Because now they tell me everything I need to hear. Well, the Bible done talked about that. Their teachers having itching ears. They heap to themselves. They're going to tell you things you want to hear, not things you need to hear. If we only come to church to listen and hear what we want to hear, we're in the wrong church. This is a Bible church. This is a Bible-believing church. And we got to preach it line upon line and precept upon precept. So Matthew 28 and 19 is what I'm going to close with. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them... In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever, I... Now, I don't know about you. I'm not an English major, but my wife is. But I do remember back in the days of long ago sitting in a classroom in English class and having to diagram sentences. I hated that. You had to know the subject. You had to know the verb. You had to know the object of uh, uh, direct object and and prepositional phrases. I learned more off of that little cartoon on Saturday morning. Conjunction, junction. What's your function? Putting together phrase. There you go. That's where I learned my English at. (laughs) And it shows. (laughs) But you know what? If you was to die a gram. Diagram, not diagram, diagram a sentence or this verse. And it says to go baptize, you know, go you therefore teach all nations, baptizing them. And then you, you um, have to break it down and say, okay, I'm going to baptize them in the name. Okay, what is in the name? It's a prepositional phrase. Okay. Then it says in the name, and then there's some more prepositional phrases. Of the Father, that's a prepositional phrase. You put of, you draw a little thing here and a little of Father the. Oh, I can still do it. They taught me well. Of the Father, of the Son. And of the Holy Ghost those are all prepositional phrases but none of them tell you the name right it says I got to do something Jesus said we have to do something we got to go and baptize them in the name And then you got all these little prepositional phrases through here that does not tell us anything about the name. So he tells us the name without saying his name. You know why? Because the very next verse, he says, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever. I, Jesus, have commanded. You see... He says, lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. Amen. Jesus is letting them know that he is the name that we are to baptize in. Because the prepositional phrases don't tell us the name. Of the Father is not a name. I could write you a million dollar checks and it'd bounce so many ways to Sunday. But... If I just put down there father on the signature line and you take it to the bank they're gonna look at and they're gonna say well first of all sir he don't have a million dollars in his account second of all sir this ain't signed correctly well I'm a son Surely, if I was to write you a $50 check, Brother Larry, and I just put son on the line, I could get Brother Larry. He'd go down here. They know who Brother Larry is. They know who I am, but they don't know who the son is. They got to have a name. (laughs) And you could say, Holy Ghost. Well, praise God, I'm a husband. Right? I may not be a good one, but I'm one. I'm a husband. But you know what? I can put husband down there, and I can write my wife a $5,000 check. Say, honey, go buy you anything you want, dresses, whatever. And I got husband written down there. And I just watch her go off in the sunset, driving off. She's all excited, and she goes to the store. And she's got her buggy full and she throws it on the counter and she throws that check out there and she waits for them to run it through that little machine that goes zip, zip. And they say, Ma'am, this check says husband on the bottom. <laughs> yeah, my husband signed that. It's like the joke used to be said back in the day before people could read, you'd put an X. And they said, put your extra out there. And he said, I can't, that's my daddy's name. (laughs) I heard somebody, they was an older generation, I stand in line actually. and, And this machine was having a hard time reading the card and signing and it going through. That woman said at the cashier, She's the cashier. She said, I don't know why they got all this fancy equipment for We used to just sign X's. I thought, man, if people signed X's today, there'd be all sorts of forgeries. (laughs) But I want to close with that because you know what? We can talk about of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Ghost. It don't tell us the name. But Jesus turns right around in the next sentence and tells us who he's talking about. Because he says, you're going to go do this. Remember, this is his command. People say, I'm going to do what Jesus said. Amen. Amen. Because he says, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. And he says, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever. I, Jesus, have commanded you. And lo, I, Jesus, am with you always. So he told them who he was, the name. If you go baptize, you got to do what I told you. So what did I tell you? Baptize them in the name, not names, not titles. Right? He didn't look at them and say names. And he didn't look at them and say titles. He said name. That's significant. Because nowhere in the New Testament do you ever find anybody baptized in the name of prepositional phrases. You find them baptized in Jesus' name. There was a meeting of the Nicene Council that changed all that. Even the encyclopedia says that the Catholic Church brags about how they changed baptism. My question is not, are we going to quit planting trying to win Catholic people? No, we want to win them, right? I baptized some Catholic people. In fact, Catholic people bought the first lawnmowers that was ever used on this grass out here. So I'm I'm not saying this to become an enemy. I'm saying this because I want people to be saved. And I'm going to give them the word. I'm going to plant in the garden. Somebody say plant. Plant in the garden. The farmer plows... And then he plants. He prepares the soil. Does everything necessary to make sure it's ready to receive the seed. You have to be patient as a farmer. You can't, uh, heard, maybe somebody's heard this saying. It's, uh, you know, uh, too wet to plow. What's that other part of that? It's too, too dry or too hot to do something and too wet to plow. I don't know. That's such an old saying, y'all don't even know it. (laughs) But we find that if we're not careful, we won't have revival because we don't know how to plant a garden. We don't know how to witness to people. We don't know how to talk to people. But if we can just introduce them to Jesus, you don't have to say, come to our church, we got a great VBS. And we do have great VBS. And you don't have to say we got a great Sunday school department. We got a great Sunday school department. You don't have to say we got some great music and, and a great youth service and great youth leaders and dynamic teachers and, and, and people. No, you don't have to say anything. All you have to do is say, let me tell you about Jesus. Because people want to know that Jesus works. And I believe he works. How many believes that Jesus works? Amen. Amen. We're going to have revival continue because we know that you don't baptize three people and say nothing's happening. And you don't have services where Wednesday night is just as big as our Sunday services and say nothing's happening. And you don't begin to hear interest of people like we had guests on Sunday show up. That don't happen if nothing's happening. Something's happening. Something's stirring. Something's, something's, something's getting ready to take place. And uh, just keep on planting. Prepare the soil. It's, sometimes you have to know when to start planting different things, but start out with Jesus. Jesus is the answer. Amen. I'm going to ask uh, the singers if they would and, and just kind of close us out with a song tonight.